Hi friends, my name is Kyle and I get to be the lead pastor of Friends Church Orange. On behalf of myself and our team and our entire church family, we are thrilled that you're choosing to listen to this message and invest in your relationship with God. We believe that he's going to be speaking to you and inviting you to become more of who he created and designed you to be. So if there's anything we can do to serve you on that journey, we invite you to reach out to us. But for now, enjoy this message and listen for God's voice. Good morning. Good to see you guys. My name's Kyle. I get uh, the, the privilege, really, of leading this church of friends, Friends Church Orange. And for lots of you guys, uh, welcome back. This is your church home. Many of you might have joined us at Easter last week. We had an amazing Easter. How many of you joined us for Easter? Lots of you guys. I got to see you, the familiar faces in the same seats. Fantastic. I always know where you're sitting. Uh, but it was great. One of the things I know is for those of you that call this your church home, you invited people and they showed up. And I know this uh, because we had over a thousand people on this campus of Friends Church last week, which was unbelievable. And I love all these empty seats around you because it's a great reminder that there are people to invite and to come and somebody needs to fill that empty seat. And last week you took that seriously. You'll see some pictures of our Easter celebration. It was fantastic. We got to just celebrate the life that we have in Jesus together. You invited people. If you were new, maybe some of you, you had a chance to come back. But all of us got to remember the life that's possible because of Jesus and his resurrection. And we got to celebrate that together. Life change happened in this room. Lots of you guys raised your hand for the first time to say, I'm just gonna follow Jesus, explore who he is, get a sense of, of who he is and how he's working in this world, maybe even in my life. Many of you raised your hand to say, you know what, I'm gonna put my faith in Jesus for the very first time. And lots of people from our community were baptized. We had the chance, this is this powerful expression of choosing to trust Jesus with our life. And so we got to celebrate that with people from our community. Uh, just one of those guys is, is Angel. He's the guy on the far right that's hugging Pastor Jonathan, our community life pastor. And I just said, Angel, how'd you show up here? What, what's your story? Why Alpha? Why baptism? And, and he just said, you know, my wife and I both showed up at the church. We came to Alpha with a similar goal. We wanted to learn more about God and learn more about his church. We knew Alpha would be a safe place to ask questions. See, it really is true. It's a safe, you can ask any question you want at Alpha. It's safe enough. And we were surprised how many people shared similar experiences to ours and had the same questions. Alpha brought us closer to God, gave us an opportunity to find community and to build friendships. And so baptism became a personal expression of his faith and trust in Jesus. And that is why we gather. And here's the best news. It's not just last weekend. It's not just Easter. Every single moment of every day, life is possible because of who Jesus is. Today, he wants to do something spectacular in and through your life. And we remember the journey of Easter, remember uh, the story of Jesus, right? How people were hungry for this kind of life, and then Jesus shows up on the scene, and especially through his teaching and his miracles, they started to recognize who he was, and it's like, yes, this is the time. He's going to take over the world, this kingdom of love and compassion and kindness and forgiveness and grace, and then he's di he dies, Remember that? He's put to death, and they think, oh, it's over. And then just a couple days later, he comes back to life, and it's like, yes, he's back. The resurrection, this is awesome. And then about 40 days later, he leaves again. He goes back to heaven. And I don't know about you, but if you're the disciples, you got to be thinking, wait a minute, what? 
It's like you're here and then you're dead and then you're alive and now you're gone. Like, what are we supposed to do? And there's a group of them, about 120 people, just a couple hundred. Just look around the room real quick, right? There's a couple hundred people. This is who's gathered in a room now on the entire planet. And they're trying to figure out what do we do now? What happens after the resurrection and Jesus goes back to heaven and he says, I'm going to give you my power and go be my witnesses. And it's like, what does that look like? That must have felt overwhelming to them in that moment, as probably lots of them are trying to figure out what is, how do we live this life out? It probably felt overwhelming and somewhat probably lonely. They're going back to houses or jobs or workplaces, maybe even families where people thought they were nuts. And like, what's it going to look like? And the loneliness probably just started to settle in. And we understand those kinds of emotions. Anybody ever get overwhelmed at life? Anybody ever feel afraid or anxious about what's out and in front of you? Anybody ever feel a sense of loneliness? You know, loneliness is almost like the new pandemic. I was just reading some statistics this week. Just recent statistics say that 25% of people 65 and over feel lonely. 25%. It gets even worse as you get younger. It said 36% of people aged 40 and up feel lonely. The worst, the loneliest generation, it said 61% or more of young adults, 18 to 24, feel lonely in life. Our most connected generation is the loneliest we've ever seen. And so how in the world do we make it? How do we live in a lonely world? Well, we're going to take some cues today from the very first church that started to form in Acts. And we're going to see how life is not just possible, but you can have a life that thrives, a full life, when you live with Jesus and one another. And the other thing we're going to see is if you're here for the first time and you're just kind of exploring Jesus and, and the church and this whole God thing, it's perfect. Because not only are you going to get a great picture of who the church is called to be and how we live with one another, it's the kind of thing that makes you go, yeah, that's right. The church should do that. The church should be about that. That's the kind of story you should be writing in this world. And so I'm thrilled that you guys are here. Grab your Bibles if you brought them with you and turn back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 42 to 47 and then one other passage in Acts. But Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles, they performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. How did they make it in an overwhelming and lonely world? They lived in community for the community. How do we make it in today's world? We live in community for the community. Everybody say, live in community, live in community. For, the community. for the community. 
How do we make it in a lonely world? We live in community. That's right. That's what we do. That's what we're going to see. Now, what did this mean? What does it mean to live in community? Well, really clearly we see, and this is where we get the critical biblical foundation for a biblical community. This is what separates the kind of relationships you form with God and one another through his church and through his people than anything else you'll experience in this world. And we see there's just three things, teaching around God's word, fellowship, and I'll tell you more about what that word means in a second, and prayer. These are the three things that are unique to biblical community. This is what it means to live in community. So how did they do this? Well, they centered themselves. We see they taught God's word, right? Everybody was teaching God's word. And what does that mean? They had God, you mean they had the Bible? It's like, well, they had the Old Testament. And so they would unpack the principles from the Old Testament and remind one another of the stories about what God had done and the miracles he'd performed. And not only did they have the Old Testament, they would probably share stories with one another about what God was doing in their life. They would probably remind each other of, wait, let's talk about Jesus and let's remember everything that he taught us about how to live and about how to have relationships and about how to manage our lives and our jobs and our money and our resources. And that's what they would teach and that's what they would do. And isn't that the same thing that we do today? I mean, we get together around God's word and we look at the same stories they looked at in the Old Testament. And not only that, we look at the new ones that they wrote down for us in the New Testament about life with Jesus and everything he said and everything he taught and everything he learned. And then we just share our stories with one another about how these things are coming alive in our life and what they look like. So the first thing that's important is we live in community is we got to be around God's word together. The second thing is this word fellowship, right? And here's the thing. Fellowship in the Greek literally means life with God and one another. God is the unique component that gets woven into relationship when you use the word fellowship. That's what makes the togetherness of the church and the togetherness of people walking with God different than any other relationship you'll experience in this world. So lots of us have been on teams. Lots of us are in classes. We get involved in clubs and country clubs and workplaces, and those things are fantastic. And none of them are fellowship because they're not centered around God and one another. There's something different that happens in fellowship. When all of a sudden you start meeting and encouraging people towards the same principles and values that are founded in Jesus, there's something different. And we start to experience that even when we meet people and relate to people. How many of you have ever had an encounter? And it could be something as simple as just meeting somebody who's super helpful in a store or at a restaurant, or maybe somebody you see, you've haven't seen in a long time, or somebody meets, you meet a new friend at work or a new teammate or classmate. And all of a sudden, as you're talking to them, you start to realize there's something different about this person. They just seem really kind or really peaceful. There's a lot of hope that they have. They have a, there's a different kind of, there's a different texture to them. And eventually you kind of go, wait, are, are you a Christian? Do you follow Jesus? Do you go to church? And they're like, oh yeah. And you're like, oh, I knew it. Anybody have an interaction like that? It's fascinating. That's fellowship. That's like there's something different about that relationship that instantly happens because of who Jesus is, because it's centered around God and one another, not just around a common, common thing that you enjoy like golf or baseball or football. Those things are fantastic. I'm a sports guy. But when it's Jesus, there's something different because of the values that exist in your life. So teaching, fellowship, and then prayer. 
And we understand prayer, right? It's just, it's a conversation with God. It's a relationship that we maintain and exist. And here's what's interesting, that that God's word and fellowship and prayer, all of these things are to happen individually in our lives. We see that Jesus modeled these things, these investments, right? And getting alone with God and spending time with God and all those things are important. But what they're talking about here to live in community is all these things are done together. They're done together. You get around God's word together. You spend time in relationships intentionally together. You pray together with and for one another about what God's doing in your life. All of it happens together because they knew they were not going to make it alone. I mean, think about it. If this group of people in this room were the only people on the entire planet that trusted Jesus, that were committed to following him, and we were walking out every day, that would be overwhelming. And it's like, we're not going to make it without Jesus and one another. And so they had a passion to be with one another around these things every single day. And we know we're not going to make it either. We know we can't make it through this world alone. If you've been here one week or often we say, you never make it through life alone. You're only going to make it with Jesus and with one another. We know we can't make it through this world alone. We've never been so present, so connected. We've never been around so many people or had so much information or access to one another's lives through social media and everything. And yet the world is the loneliest it's ever been. Because we can't make it alone. There's something different about living in biblical community. Let me illustrate it this way. How many of you have ever been to something like this? That. (laughs) Concert, sporting event, something like that. It's unbelievable, isn't it? The energy of a sporting event, a stadium, right? With a walk-off home run or a touchdown or a kick in the final second. There's unbelievable. When you go to a concert and everybody's there and the songs that you're singing and you're going nuts and everybody, and it's like the whole place, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are all about one thing, right? But you know what's fascinating is all of a sudden you go home and you drive home and you're like exhausted. And you know, if it's a concert, your ears are pounding all night. And then you wake up the next day and what happens? You're exactly the same as you were the night before. You start to go, oh, that was fun, and then it's over. And that, did I even go there? And by two days, it's long gone. And by a week later, it's like, did I ever go to that? And I spent thousands of dollars to do that, and was that worth it? And, and then you start, and sometimes you wake up the next day, and you're even worse off. You're worse off because of some of the choices you might have made the night before. <laughs> and you start going, oh, was that worth it? Is that what I, see, see, that's the thing. Like, we all experience life as stadiums. That's a crowd. And your life doesn't change in a crowd. Your life isn't changed by the crowd, right? All of a sudden, you can be as lonely in that group of people as you are as when you're by yourself. We've all been lonely in a crowd. See, but here's the difference. Life in community looks like this. And we've experienced this. Places where we get in a circle. Places where we're across the table from one another. And you sit down and all of a sudden you start having conversations, asking questions. Some of them are great. Some of them sometimes are challenging. But either way, you go home and the same thing happens. You go to bed. But oftentimes what happens is, is you wake up the next day and you're different. You're wrestling with different questions. You have relationships with somebody that might, maybe they're going to text you. Maybe they're going to reach out. Hey, we should follow up. Maybe they're going to say, hey, thanks for sharing what you did last night. How's that going? Hey, I'm praying for you this week. Like something different happens because that's community versus a crowd. 
And I say it all the time, there's one thing that's spectacular about this in terms of how it encourages us in our journey, but this, make no mistake, this is a crowd. You will never become everything God wants you to be. You will miss out on the fullest life possible if all you do is show up on a weekend at church. Because life in community doesn't happen here. Life in community happens around tables. Life in community happens in circles. And that's why we always say we do life together in that sense. One of the things my wife and I got to experience powerfully about the table and community is our dinners have been some of the most special times for our family. Even as as our kids got older and more active and busier with school or with sports or with friends or with whatever it was, we fought hard for as many dinners as we could together. Sometimes they were very early and sometimes they were very late. But even the kids valued them, and the way that we know this is because oftentimes they would invite their friends to join us at the dinner table. And it was like, hey, I'm inviting so-and-so over. They have some questions that they want to ask. And we'd have conversations around important things. It was different than a crowd. It was different than a stadium. You could only ask them there. But it was a place that they would feel seen. They would feel safe. They would feel loved. They would feel valued. And we didn't have all the answers. We didn't even pretend to. But the fact that they were just in relationship differently because of that, they were experiencing life in community. It's the same thing that happens if you're part of a life group, meaning you've been through Alpha. Something different happens when you get in a circle with a group of people. I sat right, I keep looking here, I sat right here in a circle with a group of people our last Alpha session. And the first week everybody comes in and lots of people are doing it just out of obedience. My spouse said, or my friend said, or Kyle said, so I'm showing up. But by week two, by week three, they show up because they want to. They have to. Because what starts to happen is relationships, communities start to form around God's word and fellowship, God and one another, praying for one another, understanding what's happening in each other's lives being with and for one another differently, different than any other relationship that exists in the world. You see, that's the invitation. That's what they knew and understood, and that's why we try and live that out as best we can as God's people. So what about you? Are you living life in a stadium, or are you living life around a table? Do you feel lonely in the crowd, or do you feel seen? and loved, and valued. It's very easy to just take a step. Be a part of the community that God's built here out of this great crowd of people that he brings every weekend. The second thing we see is it's not just living in community. You see, that would create this sort of spiritual cul-de-sac where if all we did is meet around a table all the time, if all they did was, you know, their crowd was even too big. It says they met in each other's homes. But if that's all they did is meet together and they get out into homes, well, the world would never change. It's not what Jesus did, right? We don't want these holy huddles, these Christian country clubs, these, all right, I'm just with and for you and me and that's enough. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to live in community for the community, And there's this word that shows up over and over and over again, not only in this passage, but all through God's word. And it's this little word called shared. Shared. It's the word that as parents, we relentlessly try and teach our kids to share, 
right? It's the first thing we want everybody to know. It's like, because it just inherently as human beings, that's mine. We want to take, we want to hold on to, we want to guard, we want to protect. And the whole time we're trying to fight against that and go, no, you got to share. You got to share. This is good for your heart. You got to share because our kids, did they do anything? It's like, you didn't even give yourself that. You didn't create those toys. You didn't do anything. I gave you all of this. Share it. Like that's what we're trying to teach them. And you got to understand, biblically, it's the same thing. This word shows up all through this passage. Look at this. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They shared their money with those in need. They shared everything they had. There was this overflowing generosity where they would get around the table and they would see each other. And you can imagine what happens is practically needs would start unfolding. People would lose their jobs. People would go through desperate times. And when you're in biblical community with people, you look and you listen to them share those, that desperation. And you don't just go, I'm going to pray for you and walk away. You go, ah, and you move towards them and you say, I'm going to help you with that. What can we do together to help meet these needs? And so that's what happens. They would pool their resources. And you know what happened? There was more than they needed. There was this overflowing generosity. So out of that, as they were meeting each other's needs and bringing it to the apostles and bringing it to the church, it would flow out into the community and they'd start meeting the community's needs. And that's why they enjoyed the favor of the community was because they were loving and they were generous. It was unlike anything they'd ever seen in this world because they were living in community for the community. And that's what would happen as they walked through their life, this generosity would overflow. Look at what happens just two chapters later in Acts 4. All the believers, they were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they it sold them and they brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone that had need. <sighs> That's startling, isn't it? That's unbelievable to think about. But they lived in this powerful biblical community. And so not only would they see and meet the needs of the people around them in their, in their group, around their table, they had so much because of that it would overflow out into the world. And the church became famous because of it. Jesus became famous. And like that's the invitation, live in community for the community. And how in the world would this happen? Why would anyone be moved to that kind of generosity? Because we know us, don't we? Or we know our neighbors. Let's not make it about us. Like, I know the guy, I know the people I live with. There's no way there. We, let's just talk and make it about other people. Nobody ever do that, right? How does that happen? Look at this phrase. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. You see, when we have a personal encounter with God's grace... When we receive the forgiveness and the kindness and the compassion of God through Jesus, when we start to recognize what they recognized, which is, oh my gosh, I don't own anything. I'm like a little kid that everything I have has been given to me by a father. 
He gave me my skills and gifts and abilities. He created the opportunities. He's the one that even chose me and knit me together before I was even born. He's the one who chose my parents in the area that I would be born. He chose my school and my college. He gave me my intellect and my personality. Everything we have has been given to us by God. And so he's going, I just need you to share just like we would with our kids. And they shared so much and so well, it overflowed into the community and changed the world. And you gotta see, that's our heart. That's our passion. That's how the church survived, is they lived in community for the community. And so thousands of years later now, we get to look back and just say, thank you. We're here because of them. And we get to steward this same story as best we know how for our lifetime. And that's our passion here at Friends Church, to live in community for the community. Our our mission statement is becoming a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. Live in community for the community, right there. And so we take this seriously. That's why we say every single, I'm so glad you're here this weekend. Man, this is an important stop on our journey. But you know what? It's not a destination. This is just a place you come through to step into a life group. You know how you get there? Alpha. You're not going to make it without Alpha. You're not going to make it without people around a table that see you and know you. And when you start to experience what I've experienced and what so many have experienced, this overwhelming sense of relationship and kindness and God's grace working powerfully, and we start to give and we're courageous in our giving, it overflows into the world and we have to change the world. And so we do. That's why during the pandemic, you'll see a bunch of pictures, right? Opportunities we took to step into the community. The first one is there's people that are hungry. We got to do something. We just started bringing food. Showing up a couple days a week collecting food. To this day, we get to feed over 500 people every single month on an ongoing basis because we got to be live in community for the community. We started seeing that there were kids, part of our youth centers, many of them live at or below the poverty line in, in this county, in this city. They were shutting them down because they couldn't use their sites because of the pandemic. And we're like, what are we going to do? We, we have a building. We have air conditioning. We have Wi-Fi. We should become a site. We, we're still, to this day, one of the largest hub sites for the youth centers to serve these kids. Because that's what we do. We opened a shop. And it's not about clothes and fashion and everything else. It's about relationship. It's about hope. It's about light. It's about love. It's about mentoring. It's about generations coming alongside one another so people feel seen and valued and loved and they don't feel alone. That's why we have Full Circle. And this is the story that God keeps writing. And here's what's happening. We're enjoying the favor of the people and the city. And so today, you get to be a part of making history. Gasp. You're going to get to hear about a unique opportunity that we have where the city came to us and said, would you help solve one of the most overwhelming challenges in the world today? Holiday's going to come and tell you a little bit about that. You guys ready? You guys ready? So headlines. The city came to the church and said, can you help us solve homelessness in the city of Orange? The city came to us. How exciting is that? Are you guys excited for this? You're excited for this. I can tell. 
I know you're excited because I know, I can tell, but also I know because you know what I'm about to say, um, this is your heart. So just this week, we got to meet with um, the police department. We have the most incredible police department. Um, it's incredible. And our chief was going through kind of statistics. And he basically said that in one year, they have an, a whole department devoted to helping the homeless. It's called the Heart Team. And they were able to serve 2,600 of our homeless individuals in our city. But only 1.8% took advantage of some of the programs. Now, the world would say, oh, yeah, that's typical. It's just, they, they, they're just addicted or they just want to live on the streets. But we know better. We're the church. We know that is not the truth. We know because we were once blind and now we see. We know that once we were living in darkness and we know God's hope. We know what it's like to be so sad, so lonely that you can't even hear or want what would be good or hopeful for you. I know that personally. I personally have battled parts of depression in my own life. And there were moments where friends would call me and they would tell me, God has a plan, he has a purpose. And I would say, I can't even hear it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even recognize what was right in front of me. I couldn't have even taken advantage of the opportunities they were given me. I would and did say no because I was hopeless. You guys know what that feels like. Do you know that 70% of our homeless individuals were foster kids? 70%. 25% were veterans that are dealing with PTSD. I could give more and more stats of the, of the hopelessness they feel. They were raised without parents, without people to say that they believe in them, people to say, hey, there's a future, there's a hope. And over time, it calluses their hearts to where they feel like, it doesn't matter what you offer me. I'm worthless. Yeah. It won't matter what you say to me or what you give me or what hope's out there. I'm going to say no because I don't matter. That's how they feel. And you guys know that. You guys know what the world thinks, but you guys are here because you believe in hope. You believe in the scripture that says in 1 Corinthians that love never fails. It never gives up. It never gives up. It never stops. It never, ever, ever gives up. You know that. And so you know if we just don't give up, if we keep going, if we keep going after, if we keep praying, if we keep telling them that they're worth it, that they matter, then they will believe because we've seen it in our own lives and we've seen it in people around us. And we won't give up. And that's our promise to the city. We won't give up. Right. We will keep to that statistic change so that we will support and give to our heart program, the program that is supporting our homeless through the police department. And then we will go above and beyond and we will meet the needs of their spiritual needs and their emotional needs so much so that we will break that statistic so that next year more and more individuals will say yes because they will believe in the hope. They will say yes because they will see that they have a purpose and a plan. Don't you want to do that? Yeah. Don't you want to change our society? Don't you want to see those statistics change? I know you do. I know you do because I know your hearts. And so we're going to give you that opportunity. For some of you, you might be thinking, what does that mean? I'm a mom with three kids. I don't have time for that. That's okay. You can pray. What if we gave you a name of a person and you were able to pray for them? What if you were able to provide a meal 
on an ongoing basis? What if you're able to be part of our ministry outreach teams that were able to go out and meet the needs of the, of the individuals and let them know they're loved, they're cared for, and over time, their hearts will change because I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it happen because we believe that love will never fail. So we want you to be a part of this. We want you to take a step and we're gonna offer you 100 different ways, well, maybe like 10 different ways, maybe not 100, but... A lot of different ways. Um, but if you guys are interested, Kyle's going to give you kind of next steps. But he's also going to tell you we already raised well, how much what? money. You can just tell. Okay, listen to this. We already committed to giving $5,000 um, to the HEART program, which is, again, our homeless outreach department for the police station. So we're giving that to them tomorrow, which is so exciting. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Sunny. Here you go. Um, so I'm going to give you two ways. <laughs> to respond. We'll give you the other 98 as we keep walking this out together. Um, because here's what I know. I know that each of you is being invited by Jesus to take a step to live in community and for the community. And there's a couple very simple pathways that we provide as a church family for you to do that. The first one is to live in community. Like I said, it's very simple. Alpha. Two weeks, show up. See what God does. And I know for lots of you, you've experienced that around tables. You've been part of a life group. There are so many life groups I know that in the last two years have just blown apart. People have moved, the pandemic and circumstances, and you feel alone again. Alpha. Reboot the gift of biblical community with one another. It's very simple. For some of you, maybe just come back next week, come to connect with friends. You get in a smaller room with some people, get a sense of what that looks like. To live for the community, there's a couple, just one easy thing. Clearly, we get to launch something that's brand new. And it's gonna take us as followers of Jesus. And not everybody, but probably some of you are stirred by the opportunity because you walk around the circle or you drive up and down Glacelle and Chapman or by Hart Park or whatever it might be and see our brothers and sisters that are homeless and would love to do something and wondering, what can I do? Well, now you don't have to ask that question anymore. So I'm just gonna ask you, if that's you, you can write the word homeless on the bottom of the card that you got on your seat. And you can either leave it there or you can bring it back to us at the Next Step Center. And we'll reach out. And we'll help you. You're not going to just have to show up and wonder, what does this look like? We're finding our way as we go too, but we will equip you for what it looks like to be a part. And like Holiday said, lots of opportunities from as simple as praying for somebody in your house and knowing their name and their story to actually being a part of one of our street teams where consistently, monthly or weekly, you go out and you get to see and develop relationship with them. So the question is, What's God saying to you? So I'm gonna invite you, if you would, just to close your eyes and bow your heads. And what is God saying to you? What's he saying to you about living in community? Maybe you're one of the people that feels alone in a crowd. Maybe you feel like you're living in that stadium as opposed to around a table. doesn't have to be that way. There are people in this room 
as part of this family that would love to get to know you, be with you and for you. What does it mean for you to receive God's grace so powerfully in your life that it overflows through you into the community? Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to every single one of us this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness in loving us first, in giving everything for us to be in relationship with us, and God, giving everything to us. Help us to acknowledge that everything we are, everything we have is really a great gift from you. And just to simply offer that back to you this morning and let you multiply it through the power of your spirit and your grace. 